up beautiful people it's your girl amber jones and we are back with episode two of the revival faith justice and culture for the now generation i am super excited for this episode first of all i just want to say thank you to everyone who has been sharing the revival subscribing listening giving us feedback and love um, and just good encouragement i'm still very much overwhelmed by the feedback that we've gotten so far um, and really excited that y'all are messing with what we're trying to do here so I am super excited for what's to come this season and just really grateful to all of you all continue to share and support um, this project that we have going on. So today I am very, very, very excited to bring a friend of mine onto the show for our very first interview for the podcast. So look, this is a special moment, special moment to have our first ever interview I'm so excited to bring on your boy Numa Pierre, aka Ninja for Jesus, <laughs> to the podcast. He is an amazing minister of the word. He is also um, a hip hop artist, a spoken word artist. He is a community leader, a servant um, to our Twin Cities community in so many different ways. I've just seen him in different spaces in the community, just really showing up for our youth, showing up for family, showing, just showing up. And so I'm really excited to have him on to the podcast. So, uh, Pierre, welcome to the revival. Yo, 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 what's up? Thanks for having me. Yes, yes, yes. I'm so excited to have you. Um, it's really funny. Um, I wasn't really about to start queuing up interviews so soon. I was like, okay, let me do like maybe two or three episodes, get my feet wet. Um, but I, um, I saw something that you had put on social media, maybe earlier in the month of January. And I was like, I gotta have that conversation with Pierre <laughs> on the podcast <laughs> like now. <laughs> so you know how God, you know, he used the Holy Spirit, you know, he moves things around. So I'm really excited that you were open to come on. And like I said, you are our first guest and I'm just really excited for you to be here. So for the people, so you go by Numa Pierre on your socials. Can you explain more about that name? What does Numa Pierre mean? I mean, obviously Pierre is your name, but first name. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, well, first and foremost, once again, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure and honor uh, to see this vision come forward uh, and to just be the first guest. I was uh, quite surprised when I got the when I got hit up about when you hit me up about it, but. It's an honor to be here. So God bless you, the revival, your endeavors. Um, I'm looking forward to some great success to come from this. The culture needs it. Hey. <laughs> culture needs it. So uh, Numa Pierre. Numa is actually the Greek word that is used mm -hmm. when uh, the New Testament writers reference the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So specifically or explicitly, Numa means spirit. It also means uh, it's also used to communicate breath mm -hmm. and wind. Mm -hmm. uh, so it is the trans. It's the Greek transliteration of the Hebrew word ruach, which mm -hmm. has the same meaning: breath, mm -hmm. wind, spirit, nature. Uh, ruach is used to describe or to communicate the Holy Spirit in Hebrew in the Hebrew mm -hmm. language. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, you put Hagion at the end, Numa Hagion, and you get Spirit of Holiness or Holy Spirit. So 
uh, Numa Pierre is, for me, is a reminder. It's a moniker, but more than anything, it's a reminder, one, to put God's spirit in front of everything, uh, taken directly from uh, Romans, Romans chapter 8, to be spirit-led above all as a believer, and then to breathe. <laughs> Just to take that time mm-hmm. and that spirit-ledness to be mindful of your breathing, yeah. uh, mindful of the Holy Spirit's agency, uh, facilitating our breath spiritually, our spiritual beings coming alive in God through the Holy Spirit and just the symbol, the, the symbolism that breath has with that of bringing us to life every day in God uh, as an agency of the Holy Spirit. So it's a beautiful reminder uh, as I just continue to do the work that I am passionate about doing for the Lord. Yeah. Yes, I love it. I love it. And it reminds me, I remember when I first probably ran like came across you there you all were doing an an outreach event like up the street from my house it was uh pastor carl from faith city pastor stacy introducing priests and i remember you did the song as you're talking about breath i i I think my favorite song of yours is always going to be losing my breath like that song just Uh, it's a (laughs) banger it's just a banger so yeah y'all gotta y'all gotta look that up that is my that's my yeah. jam. <laughs> catch, oh yeah, catch, catch. Let me catch, catch my, my breath. Catch my breath. Yeah, let me catch my breath. Yeah, because we were losing it. Because, because man, that felt it felt like mm-hmm. that cultural the climate we was in that that time. Yeah. It felt like everyone was losing their breath and yeah. gasping for their breath. Right. Yeah. So that was definitely a prophetic uh, call that the Holy Spirit put on my heart to communicate. Uh, let me catch my breath real quick. Me, yep. Yeah. Oh. Oh. no it's really a banger y'all catch my breath look it up all right so before we dive into today's topic of discussion i just want to give space um for our listeners to really hear about how god found you um i think it's really important um the word talks about you know we become free um through the word of our testimony, like we can really free others when we tell the story of how God has shown up in our lives in miraculous ways. Um, and I know that you on you have a YouTube channel and you are walking through that testimony as well on your platform. So feel free to give us a snippet here and just get the full story on your YouTube channel. Um, but I just would love for you to share how God found you. Yeah, so I grew up Man, beautiful question. I grew up in a Pentecostal tradition, Church of God in Christ. Mm-hmm. So God was always around. The knowledge of God was always around. The presence of God, I was always around. And that was like, it's just like, you know, you being born by a campfire and you know something's mm-hmm. there and it's beautiful. You might not know what it is. You may be afraid of it at times. Um, afraid to get to, to draw closer to what that that fire is at times but you know it's it's it, it's present mm-hmm. and so uh as i got older i was around 15 so at the it just life got cold mm-hmm. right and so i was like using this campfire metaphor like god i i just don't want to be around this fire like if it's real i'm gonna be a part of it yeah Right. In other words, I was saying, God, I just don't want to know about you 
and be around people that know about you. I want I, I want you to be a part of my life in a real way because life is cold right now. Mm-hmm. And I can't just keep doing bonfire things and not know what the fire is like. I can't do that no more. So I was, I was, I remember the day I was 15 and there was a revival up the street from my house, like a mile away from my house. So I was like, all right, this is the day that God, I just, I need you to show up for me. Like, this is it. I'm putting all, all my faith in this day for you to show up and let me know that you're real. I need to know that you're real personally. And I went to church, long story short, and I just wasn't feeling it that day. Like, talk about, like, knowing life feels cold and then actually, like, the coldness just caves in and you're just, like, consumed by it. I just felt cold all service, all service long. Nothing connected. Nothing was registering with me. Uh, and my mom, like, well, can we just get to this altar call already? Because this ain't, I'm not feeling anything. I'm not feeling any revival at this moment. Right. They got to the altar call and I was like, all right, this is it. And that was when I went from someone observing the campfire to someone that knew that the campfire was like now a part of their life forever. So someone observing God to now knowing, okay, God is a part of my life forever. Uh, And using our Pentecostal language, uh, that was the day I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, it was beautiful. That was also the day I received uh, the gift of tongues, specifically heavenly language. Uh, That was the day that, like, my spirit was open to the greater reality of the, like, of our eternal God and the eternal promise of knowing he loves you and that he has a, an inheritance for you. Now, I wasn't thinking inheritance then I didn't but so this is now my 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 current theological framework speaking for me in retrospect uh that was the day that that Romans 5 happened where the love of God was shed abroad in my heart through the Holy Spirit and you mm-hmm. just are enraptured by it and and it's a rapture by itself it's a caught up in the heavens all by itself it's a it's not an out-of-body experience because you're experiencing God in your body. So it's a very in-your-body experience that makes you aware of what you are now a part of, which is all around you. And that's just the work of God, his presence, his love, his eternal hope and call for us all to be a part of this great plan he has for creation. It's It was moving, to say the least, for a 15-year-old. It was very moving. Uh, and that was it. That was, that was the day. It was August 13th. It was a Friday. 2004 uh so friday 13th 2004 that was the day uh the holy spirit uh captured me uh and the presence of god has been with me or i've been with the presence of god however they want to put it ever since beautiful it's a beautiful thing yes yes thank you for that i just think the expanse of the experience of god is i just continue to be overwhelmed with just how limitless God can show up, right? Um, right. And then also, so we talked about in the first episode um, about Pentecost uh, and how Pentecost was the, actually the first encounter of the Holy Spirit with Come the uh, with the uh, disciples, with the apostles. 
and it's just it's it's really interesting seeing the parallels like you were very they were both as you were very expectant right waiting in the upper room waiting for the moment that the spirit would come and then in the midst of the experience of the spirit um, experiencing the speaking of tongues um, and then from there as you said like everything had changed with that yeah. empowerment that embodiment of the spirit within you like yeah. walking with an entirely different energy, entirely different confidence, um, and and just being emboldened to do the work of God at that point, like yeah, and I yeah. think and searching for like just even before you even got to the revival, like you were searching for it, and they were searching as well because Jesus told them like it's coming, right? Yeah. So yeah. I just listening to the parallels is just really encouraging to hear. <laughs> Amen. Appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you so much for it. So, um, so today uh, we are going to be talking about the prophetic. Um, I think this is a topic that we see a lot. You know, in what in some ways Jesus was a prophet on top of being not on top of in addition to obviously being our Savior, the Lord, you know, <laughs> the, son yeah, of, yeah. the Son of God, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, we see prophets all throughout the Bible. Um, but I want to, you know, take this conversation about the prophetic um, and think about how the prophetic still shows up in our life today and how, you know, we're talking, we're talking about the intersections of faith and justice, mostly on yeah. this show. And I think that, I think a a good biblical and theological understanding of the prophetic can give us so much, um, just so much more grounding and how yeah. we think about and interact in our community uh, when it comes to justice issues um, yeah. and who is who is bringing a new vision into our communities that's completely different than what we've ever experienced. A lot of times it can be agitational to the status quo. If anything, <laughs> that was probably <laughs> probably what most prophets did. <laughs> um, but also thinking about as well, like how God saw a role of the prophet, you know, how yeah. God was positioning prophets in society, you know, in biblical society and how powerful a prophet really was. And I think a lot of times yeah. we miss that now. And so yeah. just, and also just sharing, you know, we're, we're doing this recording, um, on Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday, um, in a couple of days before his official observe federal observance. And I think it's important to say the full scope of his name, all of his titles. Come on. Come on. I think Come Pastor on. Carl, Pastor Carl talked about it on Facebook today. Uh, shout out to Pastor Carl because oftentimes we are erasing um, the Reverend, um, sometimes even the doctor, but a lot of times we're erasing the Reverend from his title. Um, mm. And as a leader for our world, not even just our nation. We have to continue to center the fact that his philosophy largely came from his faith. So that's why I say that. Um, but I just, I've been thinking a lot about um, him as a prophet Yeah. in that moment, like as I'm yeah. sitting here this weekend. So I think this is a really timely conversation to have. All right. So <laughs> let's get into it. 
and you all, I'm so excited to have this conversation with Pierre because I think he is such a gifted teacher. As you heard earlier, just talking about what his name means, he was breaking it down. He was giving definitions and etymologies and everything. <laughs> so I'm just really excited for what he's going to bring to this conversation. So I just want to kick it off, Pierre, and just ask you, um, what is your definition or understanding of a prophet or the prophetic? Yeah, so uh, we'll take three steps to get to this, to the overall definition. Okay. All right, so step one, uh, identifying what is prophecy. And so from what I've surmised in scripture, uh, prophecy is a declaration of the Lord concerning his creation. A declaration of the Lord concerning his creation. So then step two, okay. what does it mean to prophesy? And that is the act of delivering the declaration of the Lord concerning his creation. So it's the act of delivering what the Lord has declared. So then the prophetic, um, the distinctive purpose of a thing characterized by the declaration of the Lord concerning his creation. Mm -hmm. You mean like, it's my life, it's my work, it's who I am to function in a way that declares what the Lord is declaring concerning his creation. That is how I would define the prophetic. Mm -hmm. That's deep, that's deep. <laughs> <laughs> no and just even like you said you took we had to go a couple steps back and i'm just even thinking about prophecy like declaring declaring the word yeah. of the lord like yeah and just how incredibly important powerful dangerous often that can be right <laughs> that part <laughs> so it's it's something that is it's it's a very simple what you're saying in a very simple way, easy to understand, but also it's so incredibly profound, like declaring <laughs> the word of the Lord. Okay. Yeah. So now that we have said all that, <laughs> um, how would you describe a prophet according to how scripture kind of lays out the role of a prophet? So on a baseline level, a prophet must be one who is ready and to serve at all times the Lord. Mm -hmm. So they must take on he or she, because uh, throughout the Old and New Testament, there are both male and female, both men and women prophets uh, that hold that office, men and women who hold that office. And what a blessed thing that is too. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> uh, which raises the importance of the prophetic voice of the woman Yes. And then we're talking about the civil rights era in retrospect and the, the black woman. Then we're talking. Come on. And then we could even, oh, uh, yeah, this could go. <laughs> we could really go with, yeah, just that. So. Okay, part two. Part coming. two. Yes. We'll come. <laughs> uh, so uh, it's to be ready um, for the service of the Lord at all times. Um, and then that means you have to, the prophet has to be found in a certain posture. Mm -hmm. So their hearing from the Lord has to be attuned a certain way, like tune an instrument, right? Mm -hmm. You, um, 
and the tuning of the instrument and fine tuning of the instrument and so the instrument plays the right notes it deals with intimacy mm-hmm. so we would be that instrument so we have to be in a posture where we're allowing god to tune us up right that's a hands-on type of work so there there was an intimate connection the prophet had with the holy spirit because in second uh, peter it says that prophecy was given through the holy spirit so there was there was an intimacy that the prophet had that others didn't and that allowed them to be tuned mm-hmm. uh, uh, and become in tuned with, so tuned by God to be in tune with his voice so they can deliver what he is declaring to who they were assigned to deliver it to, people, a king, a nation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 So yes. Yeah, uh, uh, Postures, readiness and posture is very important. You got to be ready, ready to serve. Yeah. And you have to have a posture that allows God to intimately tune you to his voice to deliver to, uh, to deliver the audience he is intended. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I want to dig deeper a little bit on that. So you're you're starting to break let's, down. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> you're starting to break down like that relationship between the prophet and, and God. And I think it's really important. I love that you are really talking about how deeply important it is for a true prophet, a wise prophet, an obedient prophet to first and foremost, to be postured in relationship to God. And I think that's important because, um, like the message has to be delivered. Obviously it can't be tainted by um, the ways of this world and the desires of a man and woman, things of that nature. And I just kind of want to like dig deep a little bit more into um, how do we see those relationships show up in scripture? Like where are the ways do we see these interactions yeah, with yeah. those that we now consider prophets and, and God? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love Samuel. So yes. this morning, like I was, I was in the book of Samuel. Um, he's a great prophet from uh, the old covenant, Old Testament era. And so in first Samuel chapter one, we get his mother's cry for a child, her mother's, his mother's prayer for her child. And uh, I want to say it was Eli that was actually like saw her in the temple and thought she was kind of like drunk. Drunk. Yep. Yeah. I believe, I believe it was Eli yep. uh, that yep. saw her temple and thought she was drunk. And she was like, don't you see I'm praying? Yeah. She was like, like swaying. I'm on a side. He's like, well, be it on to you. All right, let God, let be it on to you. And she said, okay, God, if you give me this son, my firstborn is going to be dedicated to you for the rest of his life. He ain't going to cut his hair. And he'll be dedicated to you for the rest of his life. And when Samuel was born, she kept uh, Hannah, his mother, kept her word and dedicated him to the service of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, uh, Samuel, uh, after he was said after he was weaned and nursed by his mother, was given to the Lord and became a pupil of Eli. So Eli began to raise him up in the service of the Lord. So we see mm-hmm. that. Uh, being a person of service, even community service, is important to the role yes. of the prophet. Mm-hmm. Being one of the community that serves the community um, 
that serves another intimately is it is part of the role of the prophet uh, i was watching game of thrones hey. and yeah i was watching game of thrones those medieval movies those movies about kingdoms or yeah, those yeah. kingdoms there's just so much in there so yeah. i was watching for those elements okay look what elements about kingdoms is they going to draw out so uh one of the characters wanted to take uh, a certain vow that meant he would serve the kingdoms but from this position where he had to protect the wall right he wanted yeah. and he was he had an affinity for wanting to uh, protect the kingdoms from whatever dangers lay beyond the wall and he had proven himself to be the best swordsman of his cohort yet he was given the position of a servant he was called to serve the current leader instead of being the one to go out and fight mm. and he was kind of like upset with that mm -hmm. his friend was like bruh you're being set up he's like what are you talking about yep you are serving the head guy he's about to show you how to be the head guy mm -hmm. and that was such an important conversation i was like whoa like and the dude, he almost missed it this character almost missed it i was like and he was like you might be onto something so while he was in his position to serve he was able to defend the head guy from an attack and that merited him a, a certain type of respect. It actually got him a certain type of sword. Um, and that's, I'm not going to, uh, for those who haven't seen the Game of Thrones, you guys have to just watch the rest to see what happens. Are you really trying to preserve spoiler alerts from a show that has already ended already been, several yes, years ago? <laughs> there, could be some, there could be some innocent souls. Oh, that, no. And also, for folks that may have forgotten what happened in season one, they can go back and watch it. Uh, okay. <laughs> anyway, that was okay. It was Mr. Snow. John Snow Thank you. is this character I'm, I'm talking about. John All right. This is this is his this is his humble beginnings uh, as a servant. Um, but what I'm saying is that the prophet goes through a similar like a similar process. Well, God calls them into the service of another to learn how to hear and to then hear and meet the needs of the one that they are called to serve. So Samuel was called to serve Eli and meet Eli's needs. So when God first called him in chapter three, so now God is about to uh, start to tune Samuel's ear, He's about to tune it up. He hears God's voice as if it was Eli. He wakes mm -hmm. up in chapter three and says, oh, you called me, here I am. And Eli was like, I didn't call you. You can go back to sleep. And then God calls Samuel again. Mm. and uh or yeah samuel and, and samuel wakes up eli you call me again bro like you didn't say bro but <laughs> you call me again lord uh here like here i am what you need eli <laughs> and he was like i did not call mm. you eventually eli it, it hit him what was happening the lord was mm. calling samuel mm -hmm. and so then he eventually told samuel next time you hear the voice, your name called, say, here I am, Lord. Mm. So then the Lord calls Samuel again. And Samuel says, here I am, Lord. Right? So this shows us the importance of Samuel first being a servant mm -hmm. and understanding and hearing, adhering to and being ready to serve who his, his natural master was at mm -hmm. this moment. And that didn't have a bad connotation back during the bible days but who his natural lord was in his servant position and serving him faithfully he was able to hear god faithfully 
Mm. Right. He heard God as if it was his current uh, natural Lord, who was Eli at this moment. Mm. And that was so um, there's so much revelation in that because it, 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 it raises the question of do the prophets today, do us prophets today, yes. we, who, who are we serving? Mm-hmm. Who are the spiritual fathers, the spiritual mothers, um, the spiritual lords, natural lords in that sense that we have been called to serve first, whose mm-hmm. voice we have been called to recognize first mm-hmm. as the Lord is tuning us to recognize his voice. Man. Whose needs mm-hmm. are we meeting on a regular basis? Whose needs are we serving? on a regular basis who are we getting up for at the moment's notice if you can't get up for the natural lord how can you get up for your spiritual lord Hmm. Hmm. mic drop (laughs) no that is that is so powerful like i just think about the fact that um that long how should I say this? I'm trying to put the words together. It's as we think about generations, as we think about transitions and leadership, as we think about carrying on movements and carrying on work, um, to really stay deeply connected to our elders and to be able to have the discernment to know who is a wise um, elder who has been close to the Lord themselves, um, who is open to teach um and you are teachable um (laughs) that is so so incredibly powerful and and i know particularly in our community we deeply value you know wisdom of our elders and our ancestors and i just think that teaching that connection um looking at the relationship between eli and samuel that Mm -hmm. i'm gonna definitely continue to carry that thank you so much for that so i and, and one one piece that you were starting to talk about as well is um, also servanthood, servanthood to community. Yeah. And I wanted to talk a little bit more about, and we can continue uh, with the uh, example of Samuel because I was deeply thinking about Samuel as we were putting together this episode. So we we're in the same mindset. Yeah. Um, on one accord, <laughs> on one accord. But I would also love to kind of break down the prophet's relationship to their community or their nation. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Especially um, relationship to nation or, you know, group of peoples as they were situated in that time. Because there, if you look at the Old Testament, you look at the structure of the Old Testament, we have a historical record. And then we also have mm-hmm. records from the prophets themselves. Um speaking about or delivering the word for their nation Mm -hmm. delivering the message for their nation um in the midst of whatever political hoopla of the day (laughs) i would love (laughs) i would love for you to and the role of the prophet changes it shifts a lot um so i would love to kind of start to talk about that and i kind of love continuing the Samuel example because in the era of Samuel we see a major shift in the role of the prophet big shift. a big Come shift on. <laughs> so yeah. I'm, gonna let, I'm gonna let you start that out <laughs> yeah 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 uh, so 
Samuel, as he's coming up, we know that there's a something that we can just ground our understanding of what does it mean to be prophetic in or to be a prophet and to prophesy is you got to be of good reputation. You got to be of good reputation. And that was what uh, I believe uh, it says about Samuel, that he began to grow in favor and in stature with man and with God. Right, and even that is echoed about Jesus Christ. But we, with Jesus Christ, we get wisdom, stature, and favor with God and man. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Samuel, it's just mentioned that he grows in favor and stature with man, and, and with God. And that is very important to understand that that good reputation and of being known as someone with a good reputation and of good character, someone who not just delivers the word of God but keeps their own word. Mm-hmm, <laughs> they, mm-hmm. they said they're going to do something they're going to do it they're going to be somewhere they're going to be there they're going to show up they're going to show up they're going to support they're going to support they said they will serve they will serve those are very uh solid concrete and necessary characteristics for anyone who believes that they have been called which we all should as believers we'll get to that a little bit later called to um the the uh, the prophetic and uh, Samuel is a great example of that. Eli and his sons aren't. So <laughs> Samuel's first prophecy is to his natural Lord is like, yo, um, this is what the Lord says. And because of the reputation of Eli's sons, and because it was going, it went unchecked, a judgment was given. Uh, and so that had to be tough for Samuel to give such a judgment yeah. to the one who had he who was given charge over his life. Mm-hmm. Yet it showed Samuel's complete fidelity to the Lord above all. Mm-hmm. So it says that there is no natural Lord we could ever have that should be supreme over the Lord of our souls. Mm. So in other words, there's no elder, there's no, um, there's no pastor, uh, there's no CEO, uh, there's no executive director, uh, there's Mm. no chief of, et cetera, et cetera, Mm. that we may find ourselves serving that, that we can't let, that should put us in a position where we're afraid to tell them what God says when it's time to tell them what God says, Mm. especially when they've been out of line. Mm. Man, this is crazy. (laughs) So this week I've been reading the book of Job and I was thinking about this because so if people largely know the story of Job, you know, the, that Satan takes away like all of his riches and his children and right allows deep suffering to come upon him. And then he, for the majority of the book, his friends are basically arguing with him about why he deserved all his suffering. And he's like, I'm still going to be faithful to the Lord. And then there's this break where there's this younger, younger person who's been listening to Mm. this entire dialogue. And his name is uh, Elihu. And he comes in and he just is like, look, 
I want to be respectful to my elders, but y'all got it all wrong. And this is the truth <laughs> of God. <laughs> and he goes on for like several chapters before the Lord kind of breaks in and it kind of transitions into the end of the book. But I say that to say, I think you were making a really important point about there is a way to respect your elders. There's a way to give deference, but also to be true to what God has placed mm -hmm. on your heart. As, right. as a younger person, especially, you know, for the revival, we want to lift up what I dub the now generation, um, this generation of people who like us as millennials and even come up as Gen Z, that if God is leading you in a particular way to use your voice, to show up in yeah. community, to show up for the work, to not be discouraged, to not be discouraged because of your youth. I think, come on. You know, Paul says that to Timothy, Timothy, do not be discouraged because you are young. Um, and there is a way to continue to honor the legacy and also be true to to what God has told you is true. So, yeah. That is yeah. powerful, powerful insight. Um, and if I were to add, it would be like humility is the best policy in mm -hmm. those cases. Absolutely. Because, because as we see, Right when we get to that transition that we're about to talk about, this institution <laughs> of the kings, yes. there, is, there is this great irony. It's mm. because of Samuel's sons not being just and upright. And actually, it's, it's one, one, one scripture says they perverted justice. Wow. That the people cried out. It opens the door for them to cry out for a king. A king. So, so let's just on one hand this, let's back up yeah. let's back up for a second so <laughs> let's just let's just set the record straight if you read scripture the old testament you will see that there is a time before we have kings and Come a time on. after so but prophets had existed before that <laughs> let's, let's, let's set that um, up yes we need to talk about that. We need to talk yeah. about the fact that the institution of the prophet or the role of the prophet predates kingdom, earthly kingdom in that regard. Like, <laughs> yes, it does. So there are some Jewish scholars would hold Adam also as a prophet. Mm -hmm. I would say if he's a prophet, he's one, he'll fall in the class of false prophet. Yeah. Because he did not uphold the word of God when it was most needed and that was when his beloved wife was partaking in the mm -hmm. fruit mm -hmm. uh that she also knew she was not supposed to partake in mm -hmm. uh and she offered it to him and there is a scripture that says adam stood by and was silent yep yep that was the time to release the word yep. thus saith the lord this ain't what we this ain't our diet for today mm -hmm. uh Tell that snake it over here and run me them scales. Uh, <laughs> scale that book. Uh, scale that book. But on a serious note, that's when the prophetic voice was needed the most right. to correct the, the 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 decision of the community before judgment was 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 would would take place um, or was going to take place, um, and that that community was just him and his wife. Mm -hmm. That community was just his his spouse. That was it. His job as a prophet to um, of God, as a prophet of the Garden of Eden, as a uh, as a prophet to 
his covenant relationship with Eve was just to continue to communicate the word of God. Instead, he abided by it, um, which, yeah, his actions went against the word of God. So anyway, mm -hmm. that was, um, they say Adam was a prophet. Cool. Uh, but traditionally, it is Abraham uh, that is given the designation of prophet. He's specifically called a prophet in scripture uh, when they travel to Egypt and a transgression happens with his wife, Sarai. Uh, the Lord sends a word to that, uh, to that Egyptian uh, official. Abraham is my prophet. Give him his wife back and uh, also bless him and, and bid him pardon. Yeah. It's explicitly, like God is ex explicitly lets that uh, official know that Abraham is his prophet. Um, and it is true. Abraham received the prophet, uh, the prophecy that uh, foretold of the Israel, uh, Israelites going into Egypt and then being slaves uh, for about a couple centuries, uh, mm -hmm. give or take three or four, and then coming out there with blessings, mm -hmm. right? So that prophecy God gave Abraham uh, was of the slavery that Israel would endure, but when the 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 iniquity of the Amorites was satisfied or had, had reached its full in the land that they were to take back as the promised land, then the lives would be given their freedom and not just freedom, they would be blessed as they leave. Uh, we know the beginning of that prophecy was a dream that Joseph received from the Lord, which is why uh, his family moved to Egypt in the first place because there was food there in the, at a time of famine. Mm -hmm. uh, then we, that segues into Moses. Moses being a prophet of uh, the Old Testament. And according to scripture, he was probably one of the closest prophets mm. God had at that time. Mm -hmm. Because uh, his his sister and Aaron uh, made fun of or mocked his oh, wife Aaron. from, yeah, of, uh, uh, yeah, Miriam and Aaron mocked his wife who was of Ethiopian descent. Mm. And they got hit with leprosy. Mm -hmm. And God had a conversation with them. It was like, yo, uh, I, I whisper to other prophets. I give them dreams and visions, but I talk to Moses face to face. Mm. Who are you to talk about wow. his Ethiopian, what, his black wife? Who are right? you? I was like, that part. Who are you? <laughs> that part. So, uh, yeah, that put them in line really quick. Uh, they had to go right back to Moses who they were talking about and said, hey, can you declare the word of the Lord of our lives so our skin can go back to normal. Hmm. Uh, so we have, we have Abraham, uh, we have Moses, we have the elders, the 70 elders. Um, oh my goodness. You're good. <laughs> Sorry about that. We had the seven, we had the, the 70 elders that uh, Moses, uh, that received uh, the a impartation of the spirit that was on Moses' life so they can too uh, prophesy and help with uh, the moving forward of Israel, the Israel-like nation. And what we have to understand is before the kings, that God's word was the final authority. Yes. So his word came to them in the form of, yes, prophetic oracles, but through Moses, they had the law. The Torah mm -hmm. is a prophecy written down. It's how God wants things done written on tablets and mm. scrolls eventually uh all 613 of them i believe <laughs> uh but this is the it was for the, the word that's why 
a lot of uh, those of Jewish, the Jewish tradition still hold to the importance of the Torah in their life uh, because the Torah made them the nation. It was a prophetic, de a prophetic declaration from the Lord uh, that they received via Moses. And it was so interconnected with Moses that in the New Testament, they call it the law of Moses. When they spoke of the Torah, the mm -hmm. commands of the Lord, the law or the law of Moses, it was often referred to, but it was in this, in, in when it was received, it was a prophetic, a prophetic word that Moses received from the Lord when he was on Mount Sinai, he get, and he gave it to the people, and this shaped them as a nation before uh, they went into the Promised Land, mm -hmm. and uh, this is how they were governed. They were mm -hmm. governed by the word of the Lord as their final authority, and the prophets of their of that time before the kings were the ones who upheld the word of the Lord and delivered, continue to deliver the word of the Lord to the people or to the nation at large so that they can continue to be who God had called them to be. Uh, yeah. Mm. Mm. I wonder if I'm just trying to think if there's anybody else before Samuel that we can mention and highlight. Uh, mm. uh, I think the is in there. Yep. Uh, who's also a judge. Because um, there was a time of judges where they had judges that helped uh, facilitate the uh, the the moving of the people forward as of, of, as a people of God. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the prophets the prophets had a huge role as those that heard from God and delivered God's uh, delivered God's word. And when we start talking about the kings outside of King David and his mm -hmm. prophetic writings mm -hmm. that we get through the Psalms. Yes, the kings were heard by God, but not too many mm. heard God. Yeah. Yes. And that's yes. the big difference. The prophet was still there to uh, say, okay, the Lord heard your prayer and this is what he says. This, mm. So we know the kings prayed to God and were mm. heard by God, but there was still a deafness between them and God. Mm. They still needed a prophet to let them know what God's response was to their prayer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So that was, Ooh. I've always found it interesting. Ooh. And, and I think that was intentional. I think it was always supposed to be set up like that. So we can talk about, we can talk about Samuel and how, you know, the kingdom of Israel decided they wanted to have a king and they actually, yeah. they actually yeah. like bum rush Samuel on that. Like we need a king. You're about yeah. to die. <laughs> like you're older. We need a king <laughs> and just even, so from there we get Saul, right? We get Saul right. who predate, you know, predecessor before David and just even being able to see that relationship and see this, what happens when we have to now split power, leadership, Come on. Um, guidance, you know, authority, yeah. wisdom, um, away from a prophet to now this human, this other human who still needs spiritual guidance and leadership, but uh -huh. that's not their role. That's not their role. And we can continue to take it back to all the work that a prophet needed to do all of the, the obedience to God, right? Um, the learning, the studying, the serving, 
Um, and knowing, understanding that their number one allegiance was to God and God alone. And they're serving their people, but really right. they're serving God, right? But now we have this whole new institution. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I'm not trying to make any other arguments, you know, past <laughs> that. But I just think it's really interesting to see what happens when we start to shift power in different ways and how that interacts with the spirit how that interacts with upholding God's word and how it relates to community and nation. Oh, I'm going to stop there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, you're definitely on. Look, when we, God tells Samuel, and I believe it's in uh, chapter eight when this is unfolding, he says, they, have, they haven't rejected you. Right, so when they're asking for a king, there mm -hmm. is, like, they're, they're like, when God's response is kind of like, he wants Samuel to know they're not rejecting you or your office. Mm -hmm. They're not rejecting your word being the final authority. They're rejecting me as king. Mm -hmm. I want to be their king. I want to lead them. I want to be their final authority. They're asking for a human king mm -hmm. because they've been influenced by other nations. Right. And if we really want to get go into the spiritual climate, those human nations were given over to principalities and rulers and wickednesses in high places. Mm -hmm. So those human nations were ran by kings who were influenced by evil spirits, evil rulers, dark forces. Boom. So it's you're looking at those who ain't got what you got. Mm -hmm. You're looking at those who are being ran by little homies in the spiritual realm. You got whole God on your side, mm -hmm. giving you his whole entire word, <laughs> shaping you to be his whole entire people so that those other nations actually are influenced by you. Mm -hmm. So the danger of being influenced by those who aren't influenced by God. God mm -hmm. was setting Israel up to be the influencers of the day, but Israel was too busy being influenced by everybody else. Mm -hmm. So they cried out for a king. And God was like, all right, All right. we're going to give them what they want, but tell them it comes with this. They're going to be taxed. They men are going to be sent to war. Their daughters are going to be sent to the fields. Oh, you think you, you think it's going to be sweet? Y'all think it's going to be <laughs> sweet. And everything that Samuel said was going to happen when they get a king happened when they got their king. That's exactly what King Saul did. Mm. Mm. And, and some more stuff uh, that he shouldn't have done, uh, which <laughs> made a way for death. So yep. what we can say about the kings, they all of them was just tripping from from, from the first day to the last king. One. From they just tripped. And we know they were tripping from first to last because there would not, not that there would not have been an exile if someone stopped tripping. Yes, there were some kings that got it right at moments. But all of them eventually did something that just brought the kingdom down further and further and further. Saul did what he did. Uh, and we don't even got to go deep into what, so, like, Saul and his transgressions and operating as a priest when you're a king. And Samuel was like, bro, you're transgressing the whole. We, y'all don't, you don't do that, bro. You don't serve like that. This ain't your job. You're not consecrated for this type of service. And then uh, God telling Saul to 
King Saul to kill all of the enemy. Yes. He wants to save some of the enemies. So now he's yes. being disobedient. Now he thinks his now he thinks his his mind knows how to run this nation better than God's mind. And Samuel's like, right, okay, yep, God got your number. We're gonna raise up somebody else from a different tribe with a better heart than you. Mm. Uh, David comes along, right, and eventually replaces Saul. And David does have a prophetic gift of his own. It comes out through his music. God bless David and the song that he has written that even foreshadowed the coming of the great King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. Uh, the fulfillment of God saying, I want to be your king. It's just, you know, all that good stuff. So mm. technically we could say 1 Samuel 8 held a prophecy of or a foreshadowing of Jesus coming, but we can get into that later. So mm -hmm. David messes up with Bathsheba. Yep. And then a, the prophet Nathan is sent this time mm. to let, because now we have prophets working in the role of advisor to the king. Yep. Right? So we got Nathan, because uh, Samuel wasn't the only one uh, that was moving as a prophet in the land of Israel. So Nathan there and lets David know, because of your transgressions, you have brought a sword to your household. Mm -hmm. So the firstborn between you and Bathsheba is going to die, and there will be a sword in your household. And his son ended up doing something horrible to his daughter, yep. uh, and then which was his his son's stepsister from so it's a sister from another mm -hmm. marriage, mm -hmm. and then I mean, the let's, oldest. Let's call it what he is sexually yeah. assaulted. It was sexually assaulted. I didn't know. Mm -hmm. how, I didn't know how explicit what it's to be. No, so, I mean we gotta call it what it is because I think that topic in particular we need to call it out when it's it's in scripture. Trigger, okay, amen. trigger so, for y'all, but that's what that's what happens yeah. in, in scripture. We have to say yeah, that. Amen. Sexually assaults Tamar, his sister, mm -hmm. uh, from another from, from another mother, and Absalom, who was Tamar's brother, uh, kills Amen because of it. Mm -hmm. And then Absalom uh, goes against the throne mm -hmm. and says, "You know what? I want to be the king of Israel." So he. Leads a a, a a coup against his, I believe that's the right word for it, against a revolt against his own father. Mm -hmm. This happens because David trans all David brings this on his household, mm. and they are living out of the judgment. Absalom, Amon, and Tamar are all living out of a judgment that was brought to the household because David uh, was not at war when he should have been. Mm -hmm. Because David did not listen and did not keep the law of God, mm. which once again is just prophecy written down. The Torah is just prophecy written down. Mm -hmm. So he, he had a prophetic word and he did not adhere to it. And it brought a sword to his house and it, uh, it, how can I put this? It was, mm, it hurt the generations that came from, that came from him. Mm -hmm. It damaged the generations that came from him. It traumatized. It brought trauma to the house of God, mm -hmm. right? It brought trauma to the kingdom of God. It brought mm -hmm. trauma to the throne of God because he didn't follow the prophetic word of mm -hmm. God and mm -hmm. the prophetic advice of God. That's and we can we can continue to talk about him by him not being faithful in his own covenant relationships and holding fast to his own marriage. We see that show up in, in King Solomon with his hundreds of wives and, and his intermingling with, um, with pagan women and how that continues to, to put Israel on a downward spiral. Um, so yeah, that, gen that generational 
trauma that is real. That trauma, <laughs> and how that impacts nation is real. Impact, <laughs> it's really real. So mm-hmm. to to capstone it, we could say when you look at even first kings and second kings, it's really the kings versus the prophets. Wow. It's the kings doing this foolishness and God sending the prophets to let them know, look, get it right or judgment is coming. Mm-hmm. And the kings not adhering to that mm-hmm. and judgment comes. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the prophecy of the Lord always wins. There's no king that averts judgment when it's given to him because they didn't follow the word of the Lord. Mm-hmm. So if you look at first and second kings, it's a chronicle of what the kings are doing versus the prophetic declarations of the Lord. Hmm. It's, wow. Yeah, I was like, and it was it's a, it's astounding. It's what, it looks like kings versus prophets mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. between those two. Yeah, because it ca- it captures um, how Israel fell, and it was because the kings did not lead Israel into righteousness. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a split after uh, Solomon's son Rehoboam, I believe his name was. Uh, forgive me if it wasn't, but after him, there was a split for the northern and southern kingdoms. Yeah. Uh, in this, the the southern kingdom couldn't unite with the north, and north couldn't unite with the with the southern. Uh, but the 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 crazy part was that the presence of God was in the temple was found in the south. So the king of the north saw that his adherents would go, that his citizens would go to the south to worship God. So he built calves, golden calves. He brought them things back. Oh. In the north, and because of that, <laughs> a, a word was given. A word was given. I said, "Bro, because of your, you 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 doing this, you know what's about to happen to the north." And it happens to the north. They eventually besiege. Eventually, um, and same thing with the south because of uh, Hezekiah's pride. Uh, he shows the chambers of the, the, and the treasures of God to the Babylonian Empire, or the, the envoys of the Babylonian Empire, and eventually they come and besiege the southern kingdom, and that's a wrap. Mm-hmm. Exile happens after that. Wow. Yeah. There's, there's something really profound in all of this. And I'm, I'm trying to put a little bit, bit of a bow. Is that God is still incredibly faithful to the people of Israel in the midst of the rebellion of their kings. And he's faithful through the prophets. Like, Amen. His voice is still present. Yeah. And his voice, which brings truth, which brings clarity to their situation, which brings hope, um, which brings accountability, so many different things onto the people is still communicated and is communicated through the prophets. And we continue to see that even in the darkest days of Israel's history, even in the midst of king you know kingdom shifting and being um under captivity again by other kings and all of these things he continues to be uh faithful through the prophetic voice of his servants yeah. and so I, I say that to say you know we there's a historical timeline that ends with scripture but life still has gone on mm-hmm. and um, when we think about our context uh, and how we are experiencing the world from different le- levels, spiritually, politically, culturally, yeah. all these yeah. things, um, I think it's important to lift up the voice of the, pro- the prophets 
the prophetic. Um, And as you said, those are people who are communicating the Lord's word clearly. These are people who have committed their life to the Lord. They're obedient. They're servants. Um, They're teachable. Um, They're not afraid of truth and communicating truth. Um, They're not afraid to hold leadership accountable. They're not afraid to... um, to push, push where needs, where things need to be pushed. And they're not afraid to use their voice, even in even dangerous contexts. Like we see right. prophets continue to be prophetic, even when it's <clears throat> deeply challenging to their spirit. Like we can talk about Jeremiah, who's called the weeping prophet. Right. Um, but they continue to be obedient to the Lord. So I say that to say, um, there ain't any other things you want to add about how we can continue to think about like who are and be able to identify who are prophets among us, how we should be in relationship. And I know you say earlier, in some ways we're all prophets. So I want to hear you talk a little bit more about that feast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or we could be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so from the old covenant to new covenant, what has been consistent is that prophets are the reformers of culture mm. Mm. because it is yeah prophets are the reformers of culture and that's consistent from old new to the our present day um and reformers of culture because truly it is the word of the lord that reforms mm. right so as we um as prophets live out speak out uh, the word of the lord which is the byproduct of thinking out the word of the lord uh things get reformed the scripture says i do not conform to this world Mm -hmm. uh, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind renew our mind how through the word of god and Mm -hmm. so this reformation is happening on the inside and then it's spoken on the outside, faith comes by hearing. How is that? Yeah, reformation now is because ha- it's been spoken. Now the actions mm. have changed. Now you see that how a reformer moves and acts in America. So, yes, on one hand, um, we the the prophet is the reformer of the culture uh, because the 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 word of the Lord is a word of reformation to culture. So, how do I identify when one? is reforming according to the word of God. Um, it begins with the gospel first and foremost. I believe every prophet has a burden to declare the gospel mm-hmm. um, to the communities that they have been called to, whether the community is just their home, their school, the school board, uh, the police station, uh, they, they politics, be the grocery store there is still a burden to let souls know about the gospel of the lord and Mm. his kingdom the good news of victory that this gospel of jesus christ and his kingdom truly is so that will always be a burden for any true and wise prophet uh, who has taken on this role as a reformer of culture Um, because it is with the gospel as the foundation then that that prophet speaks truth to power. Yes. So now we're talking about those things that ill our society, uh, things like system, uh, systemic racism, uh, school to prison pipeline, and that connection, 
Um, so now dealing with academics, uh, the reforms that are needed within the safety departments and the police departments mm -hmm. so that they are held accountable to doing what uh, their job is to do or they should be doing is protecting and serving, um, not agitating and arresting and murdering and right those things that are just big no-nos. Uh, right, it's holding culture and the structures that keep our culture moving, keep our society moving, is holding them accountable to the truth mm. that everyone is made in the image and likeness of God and that we all deserve to be treated with equal respect and are given our due human rights, i.e. Dr. Reverend Martin Luther King truly <laughs> was one of the greatest yes. reformers of our time. And his message was gospel-centered, was Christ-centered, was kingdom-centered. And out of it, he saw the beloved community. And that's what he yes. commu communicated. I've been to that mountaintop. And I've seen the shalom between races, between the whites, between the blacks. I've seen the beloved community bring, like, break the barriers of racism and the evilness that racism is. And that's why we must speak about the, 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 the force and the power of love. Yes, it may seem passive that we're not fighting back, but we're operating from a greater force. We're operating from a greater perspective. We're operating out of a greater truth. And that is the word of God, that everyone's made in the image and likeness of God, and they have a capacity for goodness. And out of that capacity for goodness, we move forward and we declare the word of God and these acts of peace and civil disobedience and these peaceful protests. This is what, this is, this was motivating us. It's a prophetic word. This, I, I dare say, a prophetic spirit, uh, a prophetic energy that is given to us, uh, God breathed through us, uh, animated, animated through us by the by God's grace and by His power. Like it's it's a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. um, and Doctor uh, Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. and many others captured that um, without compromising the gospel. That has to yeah. be noted. A lot of civil rights leaders. Uh, but they will compromise the gospel. They're not prophets. They're not mm. prophets of the Lord at that point. Um, a true prophet of the Lord can speak to social reform without compromising the gospel of the Lord. And that's so important to have the balance of both, that I can speak to the ills of society while still promoting the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come on. Done. That's it. That's it. We're done. That's We're it. Done. We're done with that the episode. <laughs> That's it, that's it. No, that is that is perfect. That is completely perfect. And I I think that's really at the at the heart of the revival. Like how can we really speak life and love into this work by censoring the gospel? Because the the number one gift of the gospel is love, right? Um and through that comes justice. Um but I think that is absolutely beautiful and absolutely necessary. And I'm I'm going to have to put this on a shirt on the wall. But this idea of prophets are the reformers of culture. And yeah, it is the yeah. word of the Lord that reforms, right? Yeah. And I just, that's, that's all I needed. Thank you. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So before we wrap up this conversation today, I want to take some time to just 
um, really talk about you and your work. So you okay. got a lot of different things going on. Um, if you follow Pierre at all, he might hop on with a quick word for you in the middle of the day. <laughs> um, or he may share a teaching online or he's dropping a new single. He's doing a lot of different things. So can you just share a little bit of the, the different facets of your work, Pierre? Yeah. Uh, so my mission is, uh, so go about Numa Pierre Ninja for Jesus. Uh, and my mission is to help believers live activated by Holy Spirit. So that's, that is uh, what is underneath everything that I'm doing and pushing through the social medias and that I find myself doing with uh, within my communities that God has blessed me to serve in. Um, and the vision is a prophetic generation, yeah. right? So um, for me, the energy for that comes out of Peter declaring when the Holy Spirit filled them on the day of Pentecost, the words of the prophet Joel says, these men are not intoxicated or not drunk as you suppose it's too early for that. Uh, but this is the fulfillment of what Joel said, prophesied the prophet Joel's words that in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit among all flesh, uh, the young and your old uh, males and female, uh, your males and females. And there will be prophecy. You're young and you're old will prophesy. Mm -hmm. uh, and I really hold on to that. That uh, along with Paul picked it up in 1 Corinthians 14. He says, yes, love. Eat like you got to love and then pursue spiritual gifts, especially that you prophesy. Mm -hmm. For it's the building up of one another that prophecy ultimately is and functions in this agency. So I take, I take that call serious. How can I use my gifts to build the believer up now? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How can I use the, the, just to build us up? And then how does building us up for what? So that we know our identity in Christ. So that first and foremost begins with knowing who Christ is. So we got to declare Christ. We have to declare the knowledge of our Lord according to scripture because the, the more clearly we see him, the more clearly we can define ourselves. And that definition comes from how he has already spoken about us, what he's already declared over our lives through the written word and through the prophetic word. And so that's, that is the engine and the energy behind the work is knowing that we have a prophetic call on us as believers because the Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of us. And if we are inspired by Holy Spirit in our living, then that means our living is prophetic. Because it, our living is a declaration of what the Lord is doing, what the Lord is saying, how the Lord is moving. Mm -hmm. Our testimonies are prophetic. They are how the Lord and his word invaded my life and saved my life and set my life on the right course, set my life on fire or became a flood and, 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 and broke through the gates that were holding me captive and, and gave me career, gave me dreams, gave me visions. Of set me up in certain offices, yeah. set me up in certain positions so I can continue to be his voice in the courtroom, his voice in administration, his voice on the school board, his voice uh, as a tutor, his voice as the head coach, his voice as an athlete, his voice as an artist. All these things the Holy Spirit has come to activate in our lives. And so I'm just passionate about using my gifts to communicate this so that others can be inspired to seek intimacy, seek a deeper relationship, 
uh, with Holy Spirit to dive deeper into their word and to come alive in their own way prophetically for the advancement of the gospel kingdom for, you know, so our society can look different and <laughs> our families can look different and our world ultimately um, can look different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's that. <laughs> about that's, that that's a bold vision <laughs> that's a bold Appreciate vision it. so how you how you bring that vision to life yeah so uh tangibly working on a project right now called eternal it's dropping this year <laughs> hey. can't wait for it to drop so you heard it here first the project oh. is called eternal exclusive. and it's coming exclusive drop the project is called eternal and it's coming. We're working on it uh, for about six months now. It's coming along. And we're at the the back end of everything that goes into getting a project ready. So um, art and storytelling is the burden the Lord has given me in this season of my life to communicate this vision. Mm-hmm. We love a good story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have been blessed with the gifts I have of communication especially with hip hop and with spoken word um, and with speaking. And the Lord has really just set a fire on the inside of me and has flooded me with ideas and Mm. um, just ideas on top of ideas. And it's been a a beautiful thing to experience overload. They have so much Mm -hmm. that I have to do something with it. Right. So uh, I'm running with it and I'm putting of my energies into that right now. Um, so that project will capture that, uh, plus other things that are coming alongside of that. Also, through my social medias, um, and I can be found at Ninja, number four, Jesus, on all social medias. Um, just more uh, more presentations about who, who Christ is, the gospel, uh, not the American gospel, right okay. no, but the gospel right the king Facts. jesus gospel okay because it's a difference Facts. between the king jesus gospel shout out to scott mcknight um and the american gospel absolutely uh there's some foolishness in the american gospel since we're being prophetic right now i'm gonna get a little prophetical there's some this high level foolishness that creates self-centeredness mm-hmm. and that is why someone can believe they are a christian and yet be uh, and yet uphold racism you mm-hmm. can't be a racist and a christian mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you gotta choose one or the other mm-hmm. and yep. that's just the truth choose right and God also, you will serve. Yeah, uh, come on and then on the outside you can't you can't exploit your own and be a christian mm. you can't you can't sexually abuse your own mm. and be a christian so this fans this 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 fantasy that the black community has with pimps mm. we gotta that whole hustle and flow got to die if you're going to be a Christian. Mm. You got to kill the hustle and flow. Mm. This fantasy that we got with drug dealers, mm. the, the, the the American gangster, you got to kill mm. the blue magic. Mm. You can't be that in Christian. That goes against our code. You can't be, you can't be a Christian and <laughs> and and promote the black man, the black woman is God. Hmm. Ooh, yeah, I said it. <laughs> you can't be black conscious and a Christian. No, you can't be a part of that conscious community. No, no, hmm. no, no. 
yes. how we are woke is different than how secular society is woke. Mm-hmm. And they will deny your Jesus all day mm-hmm. as God and God alone. They make it, yeah, you can't, you can't. So there's a lot. So yeah, 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 yeah. So I had to stop being a fan of some of my favorite hip hop artists because mm. the prophecies they are communicating don't come from the spirit of the Lord. Mm. So as you mature as a as a believer, you will be your 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 ear will be attuned to the voice of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord, the word of the Lord, the tr- of the Lord. Then you can be then you can start to identify when a false prophet is entertaining you. Mm-hmm. 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 We are not called to entertain. We are called to edify. So the art, yeah, you may enjoy it, but if it's not edifying, it's not of God at the end of the day. We're called to edify one another, right? Mm-hmm. But that means what edifies the believer is going to convict the world. So if everyone likes what you're saying, likes how you're hip-hopping, if everyone can get down with it, at a certain point, you're doing something wrong. Everyone did not like the message that Jesus kicked. No. His first sermon, they wanted to stone him. Talk about a prophet. <laughs> don't, don't, hey. <laughs> don't scare and him so off, this, this, is, this is, this is, this is, yeah, this is real. This is where the, this is where the, I call this, I call this, uh, I call this flying swords. I'm an apologist. And so we call this, we bring out that sword oh, of truth. Lord. We call it flying swords. <laughs> let the truth fly. <laughs> Yes, uh, I'm aware. So I, if it hits you, it hits it. It also hit me. These are things I have to be conscious of. I have to be conscious of what I promote. Or I have to be conscious yeah. of what I entertain, what I indulge in, especially when, we, when we're talking about being ready and fit for the service of the Lord to speak truth to power in the name of our Lord. Yeah. All right. So we have to be able to identify the lies. I am not an advocate of condemnation, and I am not an advocate of not. Uh, I'm not an advocate of throwing people away. I'm an advocate of identifying where truth is and where lies are mm-hmm. and, and and not being afraid of anybody, not, mm-hmm. uh, as Sinbad would put it, over-respecting anybody because of mm-hmm. who, who they are, what they mm-hmm. uh, have uh, attained in this world. Mm-hmm. Everybody can get this work. I don't, my dog <laughs> can get this work, all right? And being willing I, to walk with people uh, in the midst of that. You have, being willing to walk with people, I think, is really that's, important. Don't just, yeah. don't just throw truth on them and then be like, "All right, go figure it out." But yeah, no, 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 the real, no, no, yeah, the real show of love is to really walk with people in the midst of, of that yeah. process that they may be going through. So, I appreciate you, Pierre. Appreciate you. No, no doubt, no doubt. Can yeah. you lay out? Can you lay out? Um, once again, I think you kind of said it a little bit fast, but where people can find you and your work yes ninja for jesus that's ninja number four jesus all social medias you will find me underneath that banner ninja that's the number four jesus uh, on all social medias and uh uh, let's connect man looking forward to connecting with you guys um i really appreciate you having me on let me throw a couple swords at the end but like you said (laughs) We got to walk with people after we slice them and dice them. Yep. See, what's it? We talk about dying daily as believers, as Christians, but Paul said our hope is in the resurrection. Yes. So we die daily to resurrect daily. Mm. Mm. Or I'll say like this we die daily to resurrect eternally. So as we throw out these truths, these, these swords of truths, yeah, they're going to cut and they're going to hurt and they may kill some, 
spiritually speaking, metaphorically, hopefully speaking, but can you then be the good Samaritan? Yeah. You be the one to pick the person up and says, all right, let's, let's show you the better way. Mm-hmm. This is what has helped me. This is what has brought me life. I had to die to some lies too. I had to die to some, some habits too, some, some things that are just, just a part of my life too. Mm-hmm. But this is the life that I inherited. I think yeah. that is what needs to accompany our message because it is supposed to be one of encouragement and hope because mm-hmm. ultimately the hope is the future belongs to the children of God. Mm-hmm. And as children of God, we get to communicate that to everyone. Hey, this is the side to be on because the future is ours. All of this comes has to go through Revelations 21. Mm-hmm. All of this has to end with new heaven and new earth. That is what our faith is in. That God's word is true. And he said there will be shalom. There will be love. The, the pains of this life will be no more. That our king will dwell with us in the midst of us. Yeah, so that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother uh, message. <laughs> but that's the point. Like I said, it's, it's about walking with each other um, and showing each other the love of God. And that is the greatest prophetic message we can deliver as the church. It's just the love of God. How we love ourselves and love one another is the greatest prophetic message the church can offer the world, mm. offer our nation, offer our culture today. Mm. And with that, and with that, we can close on out. Thank you so much, Pierre. This hey, man, was no amazing. This was amazing. <laughs> I cannot wait. Um, for folks to hear this message, this conversation. Thank you so much. This is such oh, a yeah. dynamic way to start bringing folks onto the revival. And I'm just really grateful for you and it's all true. that God is doing in your life. We're so excited. We will be looking out for when Eternal drops. I'm so oh, excited. Like, I'm yes. just been vibing with the name. I'm like, oof, oof, getting chills. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah it's coming. Thank you so much, Pierre. Thank you all for listening uh, to this episode of The Revival. We want to also remind you to make sure you are subscribing on our channels. That's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at The Revival TC Pod. That's TC for Twin Cities Pod. Please, 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 if you love this episode, please go give us five-star ratings on all of the platforms. Leave a review. Let us know what you resonated with. Um, We want to continue this amazing conversation on the prophetic. And I really hope that you all are really seeing with how you and your relationship with God, how he is moving you to be a reformer of the culture. Yes, sir. Profit in whatever context he has placed you. So thank you so much, y'all. Love and peace to you, and we will see you soon.